Hi guys, kumusta kayo aming kagayong kumkakabsan? Shak ni Chachi Abara, may sana host ito na podcast of Reclaiming Filipino Identity for those non-Ilocano speakers or Tagalog, I said. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7. Today on Reclaiming Filipino Identity, I am joined by a really good friend of mine, We met in high school at a HOSA convention, my very first HOSA convention, and his name is Ro Makarek, and he is a Cretan alumni and is pursuing a master's of social work in UH Manoa. Today on the podcast, you will be hearing his story about what it his journeys about being a Filipino-American, living in Hawaii, and moving to the mainland, and his experience, most especially because um, moving from where you came from is so different than where you were from. So, I'm gonna stop talking, and gonna let him do the talking, because... Yeah, let's do it. It is my pleasure and honor to welcome you into Reclaiming Filipinx Identity. I just want to say thank you for allowing me to share your narrative and to capture your story with me today. My initial question to you tonight is something simple like, in your own words, can you describe who Jetro Makareg is and what it is that you do? Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Chachi. Um, so for me... Who I understand myself is um, a very complex individual. Um, I don't define myself by one particular identity, but as a whole. And that took me a while and still learning to do that. Um, and so I identify as Filipino-American. I identify as a male, queer, um, second-generation immigrant, Ilocano, spiritual. And yeah, for me, all of those identities make me me. And those, for me, it's like also I'm very rooted in who I am with the people around me. I see myself as relational and also a wanderer too of um, someone who loves to explore depth and explore breadth in the world. I'm also someone who's very dedicated to um, service and social justice. I'm not sure if you have questions related to what I do currently, um, but I am currently a JBC Northwest volunteer, um, which is a program through AmeriCorps that's rooted in the Jesuit Catholic tradition. Um, and I'm based here in Portland, Oregon. And I'm currently serving as an education and employment support specialist with an alternative high school here. Wow, um, is that through um, your undergraduate ex- um, cur- um, career? Yeah, so I actually um, discovered about JBC Northwest through my undergrad career at Creighton University. And I was very involved in service um, and justice work there. And so um, it was a natural path for me to continue on as I continue to explore who I am and like what I want to do in life. Great to hear, especially coming coming from Creighton, what you're doing now, it's, um, it's a really good work. And I feel like that's something that as a aspiring social work, in the degree that's a good place to start and to yeah, get your foot I agree. I agree. <laughs> so actually I would 
wanna before like we get ahead of the interview, I would really like to know more about your upbringing and how it made you to be who you are today. So I was born and raised in Hawaii, specifically um, on Oahu. I remember growing up the first few years of my life in my grandparents' home, not in Waipahu. I continued to um, be raised, but in Pearl City, and I was always surrounded by my family. And that was kind of my, <laughs> why I feel so deeply connected to family and like community and being a relational being. I was never alone <laughs> as it is in most Filipino households. And yeah, I grew up with my cousin who um, is the same age as me and we were only a month apart. So you can imagine like having two um, children while well, the grandparents and our great grandparents took care of us while our parents worked. It was a nice life. And then later on in my life, I moved to Waipahu. There I had like my younger brother, who's two years younger than me. And I still remember growing up, we frequently went to the Philippines for vacation. I remember I was baptized there. I had my first birthday there. And I think I went every two years until like middle school hit or something like that. It was a continued way and appreciation for me, even though I was really young, to just be around people who looked like me, who ate the same things I ate. Though it was a different experience being in the Philippines um, because of all the experiences of poverty that is kind of overcoming the country. It was so nice to see how rooted everyone was in community. Those things kind of carried with me throughout my life. Dinner was always with parents and with like as a family together. And it would often be Filipino meals. My mom always loved cooking like my Ilocano favorites, like pinakbet, <laughs> um, which is like my favorite thing. And it was mostly expressed through love um, by food. My parents were never the emotional type. <laughs> As I can, most people can probably relate. It's still, as an adult looking back at my upbringing, it was really rooted in a lot of discipline, <laughs> a lot of sacrifice, and a lot of just learning how to take care and be aware of the other person. Thank you for sharing that. And um, right when you were sharing, um, I was kind of looking um, what you wrote previously on the doc, and I could tell that through your upbringing it really does show how rooted you are in family and how that is the source of your foundation and that helps you keep going wherever you are in life so you mentioned that you are a second generation are you could you understand the language here and there it was always chores um and like i can't like i've been in the mainland for so long that mm -hmm. i've kind of forgotten uh, but uh, I can, like, when I hear it, like, I remember it. And so, like, not being in that environment doesn't help. But, like, I could never speak Ilocano. Like, my relatives and my parents spoke so fast. I could, like, never get it. But, like, I would kind of get keywords here and there as I was growing up. And then, like, same with Tagalog. Like, Tagalog was mostly by the Teleseries, like, that I grew up watching. But I could never, like formulate sentences and whatnot and that's what i'm kind of trying to learn now so you also mentioned that your family origins was over in cagayan and pangasinan so 
are you mainly Ilocano and Tagalog or just strictly Ilocano? From my understanding, strictly Ilocano. Mm-hmm. I remember, I know that like that's the language that all of my relatives spoke growing up. My mom was born and raised in Cagayan, but she moved with her family down to Pangasinan, where my dad's family is also. Can you elaborate how was it like moving from Hawaii to going to Nebraska for college? For you, not being in the Filipino community, um, going into like a totally different environment, how was it like for you not, not hearing and seeing any um, of our Filipino uh, community. Yeah, that transition to from Hawaii to Nebraska was really rough. And I still get it to this day when I say that I went to undergrad at grade and everyone's like, why did you leave Hawaii? Like, <laughs> like, it's so different and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, it was. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. Um, <laughs> but the transition was really tough. I grew like I started my year, my first year in a living learning community. So I was part of a leadership floor um, where we did service, we learned about leadership, and then we also engaged um, in seminars together. And I was, I think, like I less than my fingers, I forgot how much, but like uh, people who identified as people of color. Well, ex-roommate then was like white from Nebraska. And it was just, a totally different atmosphere. It was the first time in my life where I felt like a minority. And because Hawaii is a melting pot of different cultures and ethnicities, and moving from Hawaii to Nebraska, it gave him a little cultural shock. In Hawaii, everyone, like everywhere I go, there are people of color. I mean, there's like white people here and there, but I've never felt just so small. Especially, like, literally physically and, like, emotionally small because, like, I was, like, 5'4", everyone was, like, 6 feet. <laughs> and, like, that was just so weird. The transition was really hard for me emotionally because first time in my life where I was away from my family for a very long time. And, like, I remember as a senior, it was really tough for me because, like, I wanted to leave the islands. I had this, like, mad island fever. And then I came to Nebraska, and there are still a lot of Hawaii like students there, but I chose not to hang out with them. Like I wanted to like assimilate, and I wanted to you know branch out, as they say, to meet other people and to have different experiences. And so I was engaged with Hawaii Club for a year, but I chose to still pursue other paths within college. And in hindsight, like that was really rough. I think there was this also added layer of being a public school student from Waipahu, went to Creighton, and there's a lot of who I met who were from like private schools. And that in itself was so hard. Luckily, I have my best friend there who is Filipina and from Hawaii, went to the same school as me, who without her, I don't know if I could ever do it. We would cook food together here and there. and just like be each other's emotional support throughout the year. There are many times I've cried throughout that time and there's a lot of things I don't necessarily talk about with people back in the islands because it's hard. All they want is like to see you successful and there's a pressure, you know. I also struggled with like career and like majors and passions. 
Like I started <laughs> Creighton because I wanted to pursue like medicine. And like, I realized quickly within my first year that that passion wasn't my passion or my goal. It was to please my Filipino relatives and to give them what they want. You know, become a nurse, become a doctor. It's that stereotype that is like passed down through generations and out of my emotional struggles came this passion for psychology and came this passion for people and learning about people and like also another reason why I like pursued like psychology was to understand why my culture is the way it is and that's kind of where things got better with that transition as I learned more things about who I am and so to transition from that, Jet will be sharing his personal struggles of what it meant growing up as a second generation Filipino-American in Hawaii and how he had overcome it, most especially. It was really hard for me after I left home. I think when I was back in Hawaii, it was easier to not think about race as much, to think about like my Filipinx like identity because it was always around me. It was like that sense of like, oh yeah, it, I'm Filipino. Like that's that's it. Um, but it wasn't until I left where I experienced a lot of internalized like oppression a lot of like assimilation and questioning who I am and wanting to be what like dominant culture whiteness is. I would purposefully change how I dress, how I talk, who I associated with because I wanted to be seen as more successful and what that meant was like letting go of like my brownness and the culture. And I did that, like, looking back at it, I struggled with that because, like, it was just really hard for me to marry the two, you know, and kind of, like, know that, yes, I am, like, I have that American culture rooted in me, but I also have my Philippine X culture, and I was trapped into this, like, either or thinking of, like, I need to be, like, more white, or I need to act more white, I need to be more white. And that's where I struggled, and I didn't realize it until... I took my upper division like psychology classes and after I experienced like major burnout where my ending of my sophomore year to my junior year where it was just this existential crisis <laughs> of like who am I like what am I doing like why am I like working so hard like why am I feeling so much pressure with my identity and with like my culture because all I knew about like Filipino culture was like all of the negative things that are attributed with like being Filipina, it's like the chismes, the the gender roles, the <laughs> the classism. Sometimes, you know, the crab mentality. All of those things have hurt me so much growing up that that's what I knew, and I didn't know anything else about our culture that was like beautiful, and I forgot a lot of that um, in the pursuit of wanting to be successful, and that hurt me a lot and I'm still recovering from that and also like not knowing our language as well 
kind of also played a role in that, not feeling as connected to those who can speak fluently. And it's just this whole like, oh yeah, I'm more American than I am Filipina. Cause I'm like, that's a really hard thing because like, you ask the question, what is being Filipina? Especially with a history of colonization and imperialism, like what is Filipinex? And I've asked myself that a lot. Like, what does that even mean when so much of our history and identity is gone? I honestly feel you on that. Um, it's hard to um, embrace your cultural identity when all you know is the negative side. and. It's even harder as I've learned that not also being connected with the language can also be the sense of like the lost. I'm not really Filipino then. And I've learned that over the course of hearing others speak, I've learned that it's not so much of us learning the language. It's not so much in trying to identify ourselves as Filipinx, but it's how when we come to know like the history and like why the Filipino community is the way that they are because of what wasn't said in the history and I feel like what you're going through like what you went through um, it's a part of your narrative and it's, it's a part of trying to make way in what is said I definitely agree with that. Yeah, it's once you know and accept the history that has been forgotten, you just see life so much differently. Mm. It's that awareness that makes you like conscious of everything that you do and say and interact with. And it's like a hard process to remember. But then again, like that's gaining your own power, gaining our power. And can you back our ancestors' power? No. Right. And I I know in the beginning I asked um what generation you're from. Um, but honestly, like the more I asked that question, the more I realized that it's not so much what generation are you from. We all go through similar struggles and like Filipinos are still underrepresented between any race and ethnicity. And it's, a, some, and it's something that we, as a community, as a diaspora, trying to rise upon. So for you, especially in trying to overcome your struggles, has there been, I guess, a sense of light to it? Yeah, no, definitely. As I continue to learn about our history, I do see myself growing. And for me, growth is not necessarily more comfort, but it's sometimes the absence of comfort. And that's how you know you're growing is that the tension, that constant tension between like my conditioned colonized self and my future integrated self. And I see a lot of beauty in how I interact with my culture now. There has been light in being more grateful of the stories and narratives that have been passed down to me of the years and years of struggle and sacrifice it's a lot of reframing of like oh this is the hardship this is the hardship that we went through like that's like with most like people of color black indigenous communities like it, the focus has always been on the hardship but like reframing things to like Yes, it was hard, and 
it was also like empowering to see how well people survived throughout like millennia in the face of oppression, in the face of injustice, and recognizing how resilient and I am because of the resilience that has come before me. And that motivates me to become a better person um, and to be more empathetic too. I I know growing up, like my parents, like I have like, so I have two, I forgot the word, but like two crowns on my head. And like my parents would always tell me, oh, like you're stubborn. And like, I grew up as a ch- crybaby child who always like had a like tantrum and frustration. And I was like that child, <laughs> but like looking at it, at it now realizing that it came from a place of like you know resilience and power that I didn't necessarily knew I had and kind of regaining that sense of like purpose in my life because of it I it's still a journey and it's always a constant journey and it's a process that I've learned and even though it's frustrating to do that I mean knowing that because I am doing this decolonization work it will hopefully prevent future like generational like to continue that generational trauma that occurs within all of us and to get rid of that you went to Creighton to pursue medicine but because you felt like it wasn't really what you wanted and you were doing it to please your Filipino relatives what did your family say when you did when you did switch your major well i'm really grateful and blessed to have like parents who will support me through and through and whatever i do and they've named that i think where it gets a bit chaotic and like annoying is with extended family because they like to talk but their reactions like a lot of it was just like very passive of like telling their face that they were disappointed you know that I wasn't going into medicine that I wasn't becoming this doctor in the family or nurse or whatever health profession Mm -hmm. like medical related and it was hard for me personally and like I still remember they weren't a relative but they were like just someone who I knew in a different context and like they were straight up like why are you pursuing psychology why are you working with crazy people like you can make more money as red like a x-ray technician or whatever or a nurse or why don't you do this that mm-hmm. and that hurt a lot mm-hmm. that really hurt because the stigma of mental health still pervades in our community and what a lot of people don't understand is that it's stigmatized because of like white supremacy culture and colonialism and this hyper-dependence and this idea that we just need to pull ourselves from the bootstraps, which I'm not denying that we have done as a collective, like marginalized community. And that's not wrong. But at the same time, knowing that we've forgotten how to truly take care of ourselves, our minds, um, because a lot of hurt comes from overworking ourselves. Like mental health issues show up 
physically most of the time through alcoholism, through drugs, through so many different things that our Filipinx community faces. And, you know, it's, I don't think it should ever, like mental health should ever be stigmatized because we all have beliefs, we all have values, we all have fears, but we were taught never to like appreciate them and see them as they are. Um, and that's because of that. Um, and those like negative things like in my heart, like it's like, yes, I want to prove all of you wrong, but at the same time, I want to be here for you because you don't see it right now. But I want to be able to continue to support you in this journey because it's like once we recognize and become aware of these things and once people do that themselves in a relatable way because psychology in itself it's a field that was mostly constructed by white people and um, there was never really room for indigenous ways of thought and you know science and whatnot and so my hopefully goal my goal in life is to continue to provide spaces um, for indigenous like Filipinx thoughts and culture and ways of knowing to continue to be contributed to this field um, and to the social work field um, yeah <laughs> That's a long answer, but I mean, like, once I start talking about this, like, I get frustrated and I continue to talk, and yeah. you know, it's <laughs> I can keep going. But <laughs> no, you're 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 good. Um, honestly, um, that itself, um, kind of really is the highlight of our Philippine, you know, culture-wise, um. Mental health is one of the things that is still trying to talk upon, and it's hard. It's really hard because um, just seeing like a lot of uh, the younger generation, um, like the younger generation in our diaspora itself, um, you can tell like they have that kind of struggle in internally, and it's trying to like. No one's really talking it yet, but now that um, we have slowly like platforms like that are building up to help those who have yet to come, really like trying to see it more that mental health is so important to be talked upon. Um, the more that it's continued in a dialogue form, the more that people starts talking and we kind of are able to see the middle ground to it and um, what you're doing and your goals in um, through the indigenous side is really um, honestly very important and I commend you on that and I wish you really the best of luck and I know that you have um, really good ideas for it and I feel like um, as you start your journey in social work at Manoa, you will continue to learn a lot. Oh, I definitely will. And thank you for that. I really do appreciate that solidarity and providing spaces for 
you know, Filipinx like all of us to talk about these things. <laughs> and it's important that we talk about these things in the way that we know in our hearts and lives and our souls. And I feel like with you moving back home to where it all started, um, it's a perfect opportunity because now that coming from Nebraska, the continental states in general, get to have a feel of what it's like to be a Filipino there and coming back home and you get to really like put it together. Right. I also want to be mindful and like even I do know I have a better sense of myself here. Also going home and also relearning the culture and reintegrating is a different challenge in itself. Like I've been away for five years, only came back for vacations. I've forgotten a lot <laughs> and that was like the reason why I wanted to go back home. There's this whole like tension between like Hawaii and like moving to the mainland. People don't understand that and why I'm doing it. Part of it was to really ground myself in where I came from and to humble myself before. Because yes, I'm bringing a lot of these skills and this like wider world view. And it's also equally important to know that intend not to impose that on like these acquired knowledge and skills on anyone else. Let's just really like work from the ground up again and rebuild myself and that like foundation. To me, reclaiming our Filipinx identity means like for me, inner transformation. That means like having the courage to look deep within ourselves and ask why. Why am I the way I am? Who am I? These huge questions that often we overlook because of the grind, the hustle, that mentality kind of strips us from really asking ourselves who we are and then being having those moments of like, oh, I've had this experience within my Philippinex culture because this and like it's truly it means going through this long, hard process of loving ourselves again and loving our history and all that has come before us because the hardest thing that I continue to struggle with and continue to grow in is loving myself. And that means like loving everyone else that has come before me. Reclaiming Filipinx identity also means being rooted in those core you know, indigenous Filipinx values that not a lot of people talk about, if we're going to be honest. Like, when I started this journey um, of inner work, I read a lot. I read a lot of books, and a lot of it was, like, Filipinx American psychology books, because that was, like, my field of interest, and learning about, like, values like kapwa, like, shared inner self, um, like having the ability to be attuned to the feelings of others. Uh, I might say this wrong, but like kaganda hang like shared humanity um, and service to others. Like that is what I and so many of us are rooted in. But we've simply forgotten <laughs> that. And it's because of things that we had to do to survive but because we survive that doesn't mean we should solely survive we should thrive and like that's what we claim 
Philippine identity means is to thrive as we are, as who we are, as our true self. And to highlight the one of the biggest thing that you mentioned is to reclaim our Philippine identity for you is to truly love and embrace yourself because that's the root of it all is the more that we are so so fond of ourselves we learn how to truly embrace our culture and from that what advice would you give yourself as a 12 years old don't be so hard on yourself i think as a teenager i was and still am very very hard on myself i put a lot of pressure on myself you know i am the eldest child and like that dynamic in itself and that identity that i hold is very stressful <laughs> not going to lie and especially as a male and those like things that i felt that i needed to embody i would tell myself to you know simply love yourself as you are and i think 12-year-old me was going through a lot of like identity and figuring out who I am and all I ever wanted was someone to tell me that you are loved as you are as fully as you are I know that I needed to tell myself that and knowing that 12-year-old me would have wanted to have more intentional conversations with family ask more about their stories and to truly spend time with those that you love you know and you don't need to be anyone else like struggled with this a lot wanting to be what other people told me to be and i wouldn't want that for my 12 year old self i'll tell them to just be you like you'll find people in your life eventually who will love you thing that really stood out and kind of want to highlight it is don't forget that um to always the, the more that you are yourself and the people that you will be with they will gravitate toward transition from that is is that similar advice you would give to the next generation yeah no definitely i think also and it's important to name that loving yourself is not going to be easy it's a daily process a daily awareness a daily action to invest in ourselves i think oftentimes as philippinex it's so easy to give away ourselves through service through work we're constantly giving and that's a beautiful thing but we solemnly like give to ourselves because we see it as selfish and that is not selfish because we need to love ourselves in order to further serve others in the best way that we can and it sucks because there's things like systemic racism and still so much oppression that exists in this world and it's not going to be easy once you start to see that in everything but i think the beautiful thing that can come out of it is to know that you're not alone in this journey and that you're doing years and years of healing and that's a beautiful thing Our ancestors went through a lot so that we could have a better future than what they have gone through and like that's what we are doing. And I guess to highlight it even more is that because of how we were colonized because of our um the unspoken history of our ancestors. Our diaspora itself is there's more to be unpacked and It's sad because when you hear Filipino culture, kind of like get out of it is, oh, I'm Filipino. I should be in the medical field. I'm Filipino. Um, 
I should, I can sing, I can dance. Oh, I'm Catholic. Um, that's mainly like what you hear when you kind of when people say Filipino, and it it's really sucked. That shouldn't be how we should be defined. It's mainly our characteristics of what makes us who we are and what we were called to do. And from that, and what I want to get out of it is, how do we redefine Filipino in your eyes? To ground ourselves in those values, to really ground ourselves in those values, then we can all start with kapwa. It's that we are all interconnected. We are all shared self. And in a world that sees it's like I versus other, that is not Filipino. That you see yourself in the other person, and the other person sees themselves in you and in nature, and that is the basis of who we are as a collective. It means so much to even name that because we live in such a polarized world, and even recognizing there's so much polarization within the Filipino community. Yet, what bounds us together, and until we realize that, I don't think we can move forward. We need to move forward together, and that all starts with grounding ourselves back into that value, back into caring for one of another or trusting one another because we're in this together and not for competition. <laughs> I agree with that, and like I, I, I strongly highlight we're not in it for competition we're not here for comparing ourselves with our cousins or our any single person our family can think of but it's that what happened to um embracing empathy with one another and when it comes to philippine community it sucks because we don't really talk about these things more often and it kind of get lost in that conversation and the more that we have this dialogue with our family the more that we open ourselves up to just anyone in our family members it gets easier and i know that now it's it's hard because in, no one in our family made that initial like like push to be like oh um how is it how how are you doing or or anything that you can just imagine it's just like Okay, um, did you eat? Uh, did you do the laundry? Did you do this? Did you do the dishes? It's mainly like that. So, honestly, it starts within the... Not, not the children per se because it's hard, but it starts with just a simple dialogue and it starts with understanding yourself, understanding who we are. And exactly what Jetro said, like being able to ground ourselves within ourselves and having that foundation to start with the basics first. And to transition, 10 years from now, I asked Jetro, where does he see himself in this coming years? And because it's it's nice to kind of like give ourselves like a, a projective, like what are we going to do 10 years from now? And, you know, just a little bit like gives us what to work on. I think for me, like I love learning. And I know I'll never stop, whether that be formal education or like otherwise. But within my Filipinx culture, I hope to be more conversational or like hopefully a little bit more fluent in like Ilocano and Tagalog. Uh, to better connect with 
my elders and to like learn more about their stories and I think that's just so so important that we still respect them um, and all that has come before them and use and channel their energy into something greater for the next generation and the present um, so that's what I hope with that professionally um, I do see myself obtaining a, a licensed clinical social worker like license in order to practice therapy and I really want to do focus on trauma on identity issues grief anxiety depression and that comes from a personal place but that also comes from a place of recognizing where we are as Filipino community I really want to focus in on working with Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders uh, because this community is so underrepresented in the mental health field and wanting to be an advocate for different modalities of practice, a psychotherapy practice, because like, if I'm gonna be honest, it's mostly like very Western. And that's why I'm really excited to get a MSW at UH Manoa is to continue to engage in those indigenous ways of practice. I really wanna get involved in more Filipinx organizations. That's one thing that I like definitely regret not doing while I was home <laughs> or in college. I mean, at Creighton there wasn't a Filipinx organization, but just being surrounded by like youth and you know people like me, I've missed that, especially navigating a more white world. Like that's really hard. I hopefully want to, as a clinician, offer trainings on decolonization and mental health as people of color. I think those are really crucial, especially in education. And I also am very drawn to the education field. And so hopefully down the line, like getting a PhD in teaching or even like working in like with young adults and instilling that sense of cultural value. And with social work, and the reason why I wanted to go into social work because it's also a very broad practice and I get to acquire skills in working in many different capacities and so being able to acquire the skills to be an advocate on the policy level um, to provide more equitable mental health policies and practices um, for the Hawaii people and that's I have a lot of goals for myself yeah. but it comes from a good passion and mm -hmm. a place of wanting to serve and continue to make this world a better place and I'm excited to do that all back in Hawaii amongst a community that like has been so much more collective and grounding in that sense of community than any other place I've lived. Lucrano <laughs> is a special place, but like, yeah, it's like to see that from a variety of different backgrounds. I'm excited. So, um, to end, I kind of want to end in a lighter note. So mm -hmm. I have two questions to ask, and they are, and I think you mentioned it already. Question for you to end is, what is your favorite Filipino dish? Oh my god, pinaka, hands down. Like, <laughs> I like love vegetables and I love it with extra um, paria. A lot of people don't like paria, but I love paria. So a little bit more of like the ticharon in it. Like, granted, <laughs> my, uh, like, I haven't been eating a lot of like red meat, but like, I love chicharon in my pinaka. It just makes it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> 
And my last one is, what is your favorite Filipino word? I think right now, and I'm hoping to get a tattoo of this. Like, I hope my parents like don't mind. But like, um, I really love the word minamahal, like the word beloved. For me, it, that was the one word that really clicked with me when I was going through this like journey of inner work was minamahal. And I have it actually on my hydro flask. I got it on Red Bubble um, of it in by Bayan. So yeah, I just want to say thank you uh, for continuing to do the hard work of uh, reclaiming Philippine identity. It doesn't stop here and will continue to grow and inspire so many more people to do the same work. And yeah, I'm really grateful to see the fruit of our collective work um, into fruition one day. And that wraps things up for season two, episode seven with Jet Row. And honestly, with all the interviews that I have with different people within our Filipino-American community here in Hawaii, not gonna lie, this episode, this interview had really moved my heart a bit and it had been one of the most emotional ones, especially as I was editing and listening to this interview. It really moved me a lot and I don't know because I don't know if it's because Jetro mentioned and shared parts of himself through this interview that really I could relate to and I never nevertheless that I feel like once you also get to hear this story you get to really feel like what does it mean to be Filipino American growing up not only as an immigrant but just anything because regardless what generation you are from you still go through the similar struggles as an immigrant has or, or a local Filipino go through so yeah um, I just want to say thank you to all my listeners and new followers for reclaiming Filipinx identity I really have so much um, gratefulness to say within everyone that's been subscribing to this podcast. I hope that I continue to hear more stories of you guys because you guys are really important and your story does matter in redefining our identity as a Filipinx. So, yeah, kita kits for next time. Follow me at Reclaiming Philippine X Identity on Instagram. And if you have any suggestions, concerns, um, just anything you want to reach out, feel free. My message is open to you guys. And if you want to be featured in my podcast, just a little um, requirements. You must be in Hawaii or has lived in Hawaii because I am collecting narratives from films in Hawaii because just more representation for our community here and getting our voices heard. Yeah. So, thank you guys. Again, I'm going Maraming salamat po. And get the kids for the next episode. I can't wait for guys to listen to another amazing. So, thank you guys. Thank you.